Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Maximus Podcast with your hosts, Joe Sabula and Bobby Maximus. Today, we are sponsored by the fine people at Lalo Tactical, www.lalo.com. For the very best in tactical boots, tactical shoes, and workout shoes, head over to the website, use the code MAXIMUS20, and get yourself a gift from us to you. We're also sponsored by Nidor Performance. Uh, A lot of people have been saying, uh, you know, it's hard to understand uh, what I'm saying, It's N-I-T-O-R, performance.com. Joe, you know that I uh, used to be not even, not that I was against protein powder. I took a Mm -hmm. bunch of it, um, but I was unwilling to endorse it because I I really thought, you know, does this stuff really work? Nidor's really and truly the first protein I can say that I believe in 100%. We've, you know, worked with the people at Nidor to get you guys a discount. Yes. Uh, The stuff is not inexpensive, but... What I always say is, why would you put junk fuel into your brand new sports car? You got to be somewhat discriminate with what you put in your body. And if you want to go to Costco or you want to go to a GNC or vitamin shop and buy some protein that's that's 30 bucks for 30 servings, I mean, you 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 ask for what you get at that point or you pay for what you get. Yep. Get something good. Get something that works. Go to Night of Performance. Use the code Maximus Podcast and uh, hook yourself up. Now that the bills are paid, Joe. We have got a bit of a Fast and Furious episode today. Yes. We are going to talk about something called fear. And you um, have talked to me about this before. Yep. Um, you've, you've done a bunch of self-defense training. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've done the spear training with Tony Blauer. Yes. And so you are, uh, I guess, the resident expert uh, <laughs> in this domain. So talk to me a little bit about um, fear. All right, I will. Um, so, yeah, a lot of this stuff, I'm, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Uh, Coach Blauer, um, Tony Blauer of the Spear System is is really the the brain behind a lot of this stuff. And I am going to give you guys some uh, some ideas here on how this stuff really applies to your life, uh, to training, uh, and to, you know, wherever else fear may rear its ugly head. Uh, but let's start off, as I always like to do, with a definition. So fear, uh, defined as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Now, I know what a lot of people are thinking. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of anything. And I'm going to call bullshit. (laughs) I want to make sure that everybody understands that fear is not something to be eliminated from your life. 
Uh, fear is actually something that's hardwired into your body, and it is your friend. And it's a matter of, of coming to understand how that friend communicates and the benefits of having a friend who communicates in such a way. So let's just start with the I ain't afraid of nothing mentality. Now, I also come from a martial arts background, and that was always a big thing is to to try to conquer your fear, to get over your fear, right? Uh, guys would even say something like, I don't even flinch anymore because I'm not afraid of anything. Uh, and I'm just going to say that's that's a pretty stupid concept. So we, we need to understand that fear is there for a reason. And like I just said, it is actually hardwired in your body. It's not something you have conscious control over, right? Everybody what? feels fear. So, so Bobby, you, you always tell the story about when you were in the back of the Mandalay Bay, right? And you were getting ready yes. to, to fight and you had all these negative voices in your head. Like, can you honestly say before you step into the cage in the UFC that you are not afraid? No, but the hard part is, and, and, and I wanted to bring this up, I think fear or the idea of saying I ain't afraid of nothing is a bit more of a masculine construct. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as men, we're kind of socialized to not be in touch with our emotions. Right. Right. Like, you know, it's okay for a woman to say she's afraid. It's okay for a woman to admit she's got some insecurities. Mm-hmm. It's okay for a woman to be in touch with her feelings. For a man, you don't want to admit that you're insecure. You don't right. want to admit that you're afraid. So I would say that if we were to look at uh, – and, and this goes back to some of our other podcasts. But in the back of the Mandalay Bay before my UFC fight, when I had all the negative self-talk, what if I lose? What are other people going to say about me? What are other people going to think about me? You could almost in a way say that the root emotion underneath that at all was fear. Right. Because, you know, why would I be worried what other people are going to say or think about me if I'm not afraid of it? Yeah. It's, it's almost like the fear is there and then you're coming up with a reason to justify it being there. Yes. But I don't want to call it fear. Right. Because again, yeah, else, you, right? you don't want to admit that you have fear, right? You don't want to be that in touch with your emotions. You're supposed to be this big, tough fighter guy. You're not supposed to be afraid. Right? No, and 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 I really think there's a difference too between what I'll call real fear and perceived fear. Right. Real real fear, you should be scared of a tiger. Right. You should be scared of a great white shark. You should be scared of a poisonous snake. Mm-hmm. Then there's and that, and that's okay. And I think society would agree on that. Yeah. There's other things that we're not allowed to be afraid of, or we're not supposed to be afraid of. I'm not supposed to be afraid of my girlfriend dumping me. I'm Mm -hmm. not supposed to be afraid of my wife not loving me anymore. I'm not supposed to be afraid of a job performance review. Right. Like these are things you're almost looked upon negatively if you admit fear in one of these various departments. Yeah, and I think that talks to the different kinds of fear that we feel, right? So if we talk about real fear, like inoculating yourself against real fear is really stupid, right? That's like being in a house where the fire alarm is going off all the time and you just ignore it. Yep. Right. And then one day you just sort of wake up and realize like, oh, my God, I'm in a burning room. I'm going to die. And like yes. at that point, you have no options. Right. You're done. No. But if you pay attention to those fear signals and you take the right steps, suddenly that that fire alarm has meaning. Right. And it, and it gives you more options like your odds of escaping a, a flaming house are are higher if the fire alarm is effective. Yes. Right. And that, like I said, is real fear. Right. That's the kind of fear that you you absolutely have to pay attention to. If you're not afraid of poisonous snakes, I would say that your odds of being killed by a poisonous snake are higher than someone who is afraid. And some yes. of that is probably a learned behavior, right? Like as, as we as we grow up in our Western culture, snakes are not generally painted in a positive light anyway. You know, people are afraid of snakes. They're afraid of spiders. Yeah, they're afraid of great whites and movies like Jaws, right? 
That'll do it to you. I'm afraid of space aliens because I saw Alien when I was little. All right. Anybody seen it? Who's afraid of clowns now? All right. Yeah. So some of that is definitely conditioned. And I think it, it speaks to a real fear. There's always a real fear at the root. But there's other levels of fear. So there's uh, um, anxiety, for example. And a lot of people will say, like, gosh, I have so much anxiety. Well, that's really just an expression of a kind of fear. And it can stem from, you know, a, a social construct, like anxiety of not being good enough or worthy enough to make friends, right? Uh, a fear of putting yourself out there in a relationship, a fear of rejection. Um, I think that's a real big one for people, you know, especially when it comes to relationships. You know, fear is is something that will keep you from asking out the kind of person that you probably deserve and have you settle for somebody who's probably not that good for you. And that's a pretty powerful thing if you think about it. Well, and the amount of and, – and so you, you've got that in love. You've got that with jobs. Mm-hmm. You've got that with living a life you really want to live. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel that fear can probably prevent you if fear's dealt with in the wrong way can probably prevent you from real happiness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like if you if you look at you know I'd love to interview a uh, 100 old people and mm-hmm. and ask them where they went wrong in life or what they changed and I would almost guarantee you that to a person every single one of them if they were honest would have not done something in their life because they were afraid. Right, right. Right like right. if I could go back in time I would do this. I mean people don't really regret the things that they did. They yeah. often regret the things that they didn't do, and they didn't do them because of that fear or because they were afraid. I think that's exactly right. I think you hit the nail on the head with that because regret no, it, is really just a, a – It's yeah. a consequence of fear. It right? is. Yes, like, exactly. And, and the other thing is is it, fear can be useful as you said. You were talking about the burning alarm earlier. Mm-hmm. But I feel with fear – Fear can help you get ready or put you in what I call a state of self-defense. Oh, right, like if right. I if I hear a noise in the garage at night and it sounds like somebody's breaking in, I should be a little afraid because that's yeah. going to be that's going to get me ready mm-hmm. to do what I have to do to defend myself. Well, think about it's, what what happens when that trigger is pulled, right? Like like you hear that sound, your heart starts pumping, right? All of a sudden you're much more attuned to sounds, to sights. Yep. You know what I mean? Like your, your, your senses go like prime. You're absolutely yep. more alert. Have you ever uh, been startled and then felt like you needed to warm up before you took action? No, you just get right into you're it. Just, you're in it. You're in it in the moment. And and I think that's an important thing, too, is that the more real the threat that you're facing, like almost yep. the more heroic your actions will be. You know, so if you're if you're just uh, uh, at a barbecue and you're flipping burgers and you're talking to people and a freaking butterfly Fluts right past your eyeball, like you'll flinch. You'll have a fear response from that, yep. right? And it's it's oh, it's just a butterfly. That's no big deal. But like if you're in a scenario where like I don't know, maybe there's a terrible accident, and a car's flipped over, and and people are screaming and stuff's on fire. Those are the moments when people rip a car door off to save yeah, somebody else's life. And that's when you need fear. Exactly. The, exactly. The, the thing that we're trying to differentiate between, I think, is that's a real fear that's helpful. Mm-hmm. But there's also perceived fear. That depending how you, you know, it's your perception of it can be very unhelpful or crippling in a way. Well, consider this. Do you know what the number one fear is by most studies, I should say? Uh, I, I want to say it's something along uh, rejection or not fulfilling someone's it's, potential. It's public speaking. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and that, most that. of the studies, the most common answer is public speaking. And the second most common answer is death. Okay. And Jerry Seinfeld had a joke about this. So I'll quote him here. This is, uh, this is phenomenal. He says, according to most studies, people's number one fear is public speaking. Number two is death. 
Death is number two. Does that sound right? This means to the average person, if you go to a funeral, you're better off in the casket than doing the eulogy. That's crazy to me. But that is also, that's reported, right? That's what people claim. And I, and I don't know that they sit down and prioritize it in their own head, but almost everyone is afraid of public speaking and not everyone is afraid of death. And so it ends up in number two, but that it puts it in perspective, right? So when we talk about fear limiting your behavior, it can do so in very subtle ways, right? So when we talk about public speaking, like really what is the fear behind public speaking? Yeah, what's going to happen? You're going to get laughed at. You're going to make an ass of yourself. People are going to reject you. Mm -hmm. They're going to think less of you somehow. And then again, like you said earlier, why do you care what other people think? You know, and and, and I think uh, use the, the eulogy example, right? No matter how horrible your eulogy is, nobody's really listening to you. You know, they're yes. focused on the person who, who passed. Like, it's a different thing, you know? Well, and there's there's that whole thing where you're sitting in the corner so worried about what other people are going to say or think about you or, you know, how they're looking at you. No one's even noticing you. Yeah. Like, I always I always say to people, you're not that important. Nobody mm-hmm. cares. Yeah. yeah. Right? You could be walking down a street and walk face first into a pole and yeah. <laughs> a thousand people on the street won't even notice you. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, you're worried about every little thing. And if you think back, it's kind of funny to the teenage years when you had acne. It's like you get a little zit or some acne on your face. It looks like a red button that's flashing that everyone can see. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to go out. You don't, you're embarrassed. You're, I mean, everyone's been through it. Mm-hmm. No one else notices. Yeah. No one else cares. Well, let me ask you this, Bobby. Have you ever heard a really good speech? Like, have you heard somebody walk out on a stage and deliver a presentation that you actually remember because it was so impactful? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I have too. Uh, when I was at the University of Iowa, I was uh, I, I worked with student video production. I had the opportunity to videotape uh, Jerry from Ben and Jerry came okay. to the university and gave a big speech about how they built the business. It was to the business school. So it was really just kind of uh, entrepreneurial based. But I'll never forget that speech because he was a fantastic presenter um, and because we got free ice cream. Like, how, yep. how cool is that? Have you ever heard a speech so bad that you remember it? No. Yeah, I, I can't remember a bad presentation. I mean, I, I remember being in presentations. I don't remember anything about the speaker. I don't remember why I thought it was bad. I just don't remember it at all. No, and, but even even back to your good example, uh, some of the speeches I've been to that are good, I suppose if I was to really sit down with a critical eye and a, 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 a notebook and things like that and try to pick them apart, even some of the best speeches that I've ever heard, technically they were probably not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, like they were good because I left with a feeling or they were good because I left with something out of it. And at the same time, just because you thought the, the Ben and Jerry speech was great, doesn't mean the person beside you liked it either. Or even that Jerry liked it. I mean, he might watch the videotape and be like, oh God, did I really say it that way? You know, it, it, it goes back to the old, I I, I always say the movies with this, Mm -hmm. there could be a movie that you love and a movie that I don't love. Yeah. And that doesn't make the movie good or bad, by the way. No. It's no. just your perception of it. So I always say for somebody, you know, with with our Instagram and our branding and things like that, we can use the podcast. Yeah. For every person out there that likes the Maximus podcast, there's probably a person that dislikes it. Mm-hmm. That's the reality. Yeah. So what am I, I mean, I mean, back to the fear thing, what am I so scared of? Yeah, well, because you can, exactly. you can do everything right somebody might just not like your content. Right, they just might not like the way you speak or the tone of your voice. I mean, those My are voice, all realities, you know? Maybe they just don't like podcasts. Yeah. 
you know, but that's the kind of irrational fear we're talking about that people are uh, afraid of. And I think that also falls into the, the fear of the unknown category. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because the truth is you really don't know. Well, and, about- and what, whatever kinds of fear there are. Right. So there's, you know, very real fear that imminent death. You know, bodily yep. harm kind of fear, like the house is on fire fear, I'm under attack fear. There's the slight social pressure fears, right? Fear of speaking, uh, fear of rejection. There's all these different kinds of fears. And the fear of the unknown has all of that in it. Yes. You know, and that's why I think that one is so crippling. If you have variables that you can't account for and you can't understand, it's almost more terrifying than even a life-threatening situation that's right in front of you because at least you know what you're dealing with. Well, and, and let me ask you a question, though. Isn't there also, uh, I, I would say, a level of response that's that's concurrent or um, the coincidental that, that's related to the amount of fear you have? And, and, and to give you an example, if someone approaches you with a gun, if you're in a fire, if you're in a car accident, you should have a real dramatic response because there's a real level of fear. Yes, like a and, very high level of fear, right? And I, and I would say that that's going to be based on your perception of that fear. Because if you don't see the guy with a the gun there, you won't have any fear response at all, right? And no. if you see a guy with a gun and there isn't actually a guy with a gun there, you'll respond as though there was a guy with a gun there. So it's all about your perceptions. But what I'm trying to get at here and I want your opinion on is I also feel that these make-believe fears we're talking about, mm-hmm. the fear of rejection, the fear of people don't do a response. They just stand still. Right. They, they almost they almost lull themselves into a state of inactivity, which I think is as bad as, as anything. Well, I'll, I'll relate this to uh, uh, in sports, the difference between freezing and choking, right? Yes. So like when, when a, a, a professional basketball player is, you know, steps up to the free throw line and they, they're going to make the game-winning shot. Like this is some, how many free throws do you think these guys practice in a day, Thousands. in a week, in a yep. year, in their career, and they end up and they just balk it. That's choking, right? Yep. That's like no, there was no reason for you to miss that shot, and you just missed that shot. You choked. You know the the NFL kickers, right? Pressure is on. This is their job, and they just they biff it. It's a bad kick. Yeah, you just yep. choked. But freezing is different. Freezing is having like no reaction at all. You know, if you're an NFL kicker and you freeze, they like hut the ball and you just stand there. Yeah. Like, no effort comes forth at all. You're frozen. And you so, almost like, never see that, by the way. I can't remember a situation when I've seen that ever in sport. Right. Yeah. So, again, in sport, you choke. You don't tend to freeze. Now, if you take somebody off the street and put them in that situation where they're in the middle of a stadium and everybody's watching, the odds of them freezing are quite good. Much higher. Much higher. And, and it would be understandable. You know, you take somebody's grandma and throw her in the middle of a stadium and just have everybody look at her. Yeah, she'll freeze. That's but a that's, that's a different scenario, right? But that's and that's also a different kind of freezing, though. What I think that plagues normal people when when people freeze in real life, it's not like they literally freeze. Well, I, I would say think, just, think of this: like if you see a spider, like a big, hairy, ugly spider, yep. like, do you freeze? You know, I don't know. I think you do. I think if you I, see a poisonous snake, the first thing you do is you stop moving. That's you freeze probably, and you look yeah, at Yeah, that's probably true. You know, and, I, and, but I think freezing is one of the natural responses to fear. Yes. Right? But and you, I mentioned earlier the perception because that's very important because it doesn't matter if the threat is real. It's, it's a perceived threat that you're reacting to, right? So if you think there's a snake, you'll freeze. If there really is a snake and you don't see it, you won't. So it's sure. not automatic, but it is but kind you, of automatic. You don't get to choose how you respond to the threat is what I'm getting at. 
No, that's true. And that's an involuntary, what I call a high level of fear. Yes. And again, right? now we're, we're talking about a real threat, right? Like a poisonous yes. spider is a very real threat. You see a black spider with a red hourglass on its butt, you freeze. Yes. You let For- that thing walk away. Now, if you're if you're at work and there's an opportunity to maybe take on some extra work that could lead to a promotion, like your decision-making process there actually goes through a similar process as any kind of bodily harm threat. It's yes. just at a much like slower pace. The, the threat of not getting that promotion is not nearly as bad as the threat of getting mugged, right? No, but that's also the kind of freezing that I was trying to allude to of it's almost an inactivity instead of a freeze. Right. Well, so like let's, a, let's, let's say, so, I mean, how many different ways can you react to a threat? Like one we talked about, you can rip a car door off. So I would say like yep. kind of a heroic action, right? And, and I think it takes a very, very strong threat to elicit that kind of response, right? Yes. Then another option is just a total freeze. Yep. All right. And so if we take the the extreme example and then apply it to the less extreme example, the the freezing in this case is basically doing nothing because it's best to almost not rock the boat, right? Yes. So you walk into a social uh, situation and you're thinking about whether you should say something. Maybe there's, you know, there's a girl you like there or a guy that you like and you're like, I kind of want to talk to him, but there's a bunch of people around. And so, you know what, I'm just, I'm just not. And you never take that shot. That in a way is the same response as freezing when you see a snake. It's just less extreme. Yes. And it's the kind of thing that you don't regret immediately. Right. That's the kind of thing that you're going to regret uh, I don't know, 10 years from now, 15 yes. years from now. I mean, the example I always give, you know, give about that, Joe, is starting your own business. Yeah, exactly. You've got a business you want to start. You, 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 I, it could be anything. I don't know, trading postage stamps on the internet, mm-hmm. right? Like it could be any stupid thing that you want, but you don't want to start your business. And do you know why? You're afraid it's not going to work, but you also don't have to. You're not forced into acting because you you don't have to until one day you lose your job and you have no other choice. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's it's that old Unlikely scenario. Somebody puts a gun to to your head and is like, start a business now. And then, whoa, geez, you'll suddenly – you'll write the articles of incorporation right then and there. But you do need a gun to your head and that might be losing your daytime job. Mm -hmm. I remember someone was saying to me the other day that you can't have a side hustle. I'm like, well, what do you mean you can't have a side hustle? And let's say, Joe, you're working from nine to five for the city of Minnesota and you've got a side hustle going on at night, a personal training business, if you will. Yeah. As long as you're safe and getting your paycheck furnished by the city of Minnesota, you'll never really do what it takes to make that personal training business grow. Yeah. Right. You lose your job for the city of Minnesota and the side hustle gets thrust into the forefront. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes your main thing. Yeah, yeah. So you're people right. do you almost do need a gun to your head in a way and not a literal gun to your head. But, you know, a, a, a lot of people have done some pretty incredible things out of what I'll call desperation, for lack of a better word. Well, I want to like, I want to I want to talk about this a little bit deeper because I, I think you're hitting on something that's very key and very useful to people. But I want to start it off with another quote. Uh, and this is from Coach Blower himself. And what he says is fear throttles everything we do. From who we marry to where we live, from how much weight we lift to whether or not we defend ourselves. Yep. Now he's speaking usually in the context of self-defense because that's the the area that he excels in. Um, but even in in personal conversations with Coach Blower, this has come up. 
you know, and just trying to understand what it is we're up against when we're teaching self-defense, because the fear there is very real. And and I always tell people like self-defense isn't a joke, right? We can talk about this in a very serious way. And that's what I really, really enjoy about the Spear system is how seriously it takes this, that yes. we don't have room for goofy stuff. We don't have room for jokes. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's very serious. This is people's, you know, bodily health and, and lives that we're trying to save here. It also leaks into the other areas of life. And so a lot of the language we use in martial arts, in self-defense, is the same language we use in the gym. And so having this this crossover where I sort of have a life as a trainer and then I also am involved in martial arts and in, in teaching self-defense – um, it actually, I feel like I'm bringing two worlds together. Now, the other thing that Blauer uh, came up with, which I highly encourage everybody to Google, it's something called the cycle of behavior, and it's this flow chart. And I want to talk a little bit through it to kind of give you an idea of what some of the processes are involved in managing fear and having the ability to do something with your fear, because that's what you were just kind of hitting on, is when you have a motivation, you, you'll respond to it. And the big thing is when, when you find yourself in a situation where fear is imminent, the first thing you have to consider is your motivation. So if, if you're sitting at home on your couch with your feet up watching the Game of Thrones finale and some psychopath kicks open your front door and starts a chainsaw, like, okay, that's your scenario. That's what you're dealing with. Like, what is your motivation in that situation? Are you content to just sit on the couch and, and let the guy come at you with a chainsaw? Probably not, right? No, I mean your your gut response, not gut response. I guess your motivation is to live. To live. Most most yeah. reasonable people, even if you're not thinking at that point, you're trying to survive. Right, and that motivation is going to be based on an expectation. You don't expect that that guy's here to cut up the the lumber in your backyard, right? If he yeah, kicked or, the door open and maybe he's wearing like the, the leather face mask from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you expect that that man is going to try to kill you. You would think. You know, if, if you had had a, uh, an ad in the in the local paper and said, hey, I've got a bunch of lumber in the backyard that needs to be cut up. I'll pay you 50 bucks if you come over to do it. And the dude knocked on the door and said, hey, can I come in and uh, cut up some of your lumber? Your expectations are totally different. Yes. Right. So given that the dude kicks the door open, this is a threat. And your motivation now is to live. Right. The expectations that you have are based off of the visualizations that you have, the beliefs that you have about your perception of this situation. Right. So we use this acronym. uh, Fear is false evidence appearing real. If this guy was actually there to just cut lumber and you're just seeing it as Leatherface coming to kill you, then you're you're looking at the wrong evidence. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like if he knocked on the door and he's smiling and he has all the safety gear on, maybe the chainsaw isn't even in his hands. Maybe he's got a pickup truck and there's a chainsaw on the back of it, whatever. And you're acting like this man's here to kill you because he just knocked on your door and he has a chainsaw. You're way out of proportion here. Yeah. And by the way, there are some people I suppose that would do that. It, it happens, right? Uh, consider like phobias. You know, yep. people who have odd fears like the fear of peanut butter, something is misfiring in there. Something yes. is is triggering that off. And that's why, like, you need a, a deep psychological evaluation to deal with or, some of that stuff. Or I would say the fear of the dark is another one. Yeah, absolutely. Like like in kids, right? Like I've, I've, I've tried to explain to my little guys because they're scared of the dark sometimes. Just because the lights are off doesn't mean something can hurt you. Mm-hmm. Right now, I wouldn't necessarily go into a dark cave. Right. Where I don't know the layout, but yeah. just because the lights go off in your room, that's kind of an irrational fear, but it can feel very real to people. You know what I tell Jojo? I said, dad is, dad is not afraid of monsters. Monsters are afraid of me. I like that. Yeah. 
I am a monster. Yeah, I, uh, I I tell Beans <laughs> the same thing, and then he tells me that I just stole all of Chuck Norris's drugs. <laughs> like, thanks, buddy. <laughs> oh, you know, but fantastic. but back back to the thing. So this guy comes in, kicks your door down. He's got a chainsaw, and and clearly. He's there to to cause you some type of bodily harm or yes. do something. Yes. Now, in in that kind of scenario, I mean, I think the solution here is is pretty obvious. Like you got it. You got to get out. You got to just run. You got to flee. I don't think yes. anybody is going to say, you know what? I'm going to go toe to toe with this guy. No. All right. So let's say let's say here's the scenario, right? So you're sitting there. You're watching Game of Thrones. The door kicks open. The guy jumps in. He's got the chainsaw. It's not started yet. And now he's pull pull. Pull, pull, but the chainsaw is not starting. Are you just going to sit there and watch him? Yeah, probably not. Hopefully you're not freezing at that point, waiting for him to get that thing to turn over, right? Now, at that point, you might start coming up with some kind of a plan. You say, okay, the chainsaw is not started. The guy's concerned with the chainsaw. How can I maybe do something here? Now, you, now you have a cognitive process. Do you have a clear exit? And if you do, the plan would be to take it, Right. And Blauer would say, at this point, review that. Can you actually get to that exit? Yes, you can. You go. Right? Don't think about tomorrow. Don't think about yesterday. You are now in action and you're gone. Right? What if that's the only way out? Now you got to come up with a, a different plan. Right? Okay. I can't just dive out the picture window. Or I guess maybe you could. Right? I could maybe, you know, jump off of the uh, the, the end table here and, like, try to hit that guy with, like, a 360 spinning drop kick to the face and try to clear my way out right or maybe i could just like football rush him and get past him yep you know maybe i could throw something at him i got a lamp here i could throw at him you gotta you have to pick something yep you know and maybe your first plan was the the jumping 360 spin hook kick or whatever that that's probably a stupid plan like a lot can go wrong with that well and that and that also brings i think into uh, one of the things I think where this stuff gets a little unrealistic for people is you're only going to make that response if you've been trained to make right. that response. Like Absolutely. you were, you were talking about the football, the football player, the football player can kick in front of 20,000 people because to a degree they've been trained to. Yeah. They started kicking in front of people at practice. Then they kicked in front of their high school crowd. That was maybe 300 people. Yeah. Then they kicked in front of their college crowd. I mean, they didn't just get dropped into that situation. Yeah, they're used to that pressure. They expect so, that pressure. So by the same token, if a person that's never trained to fight before is going to get in a fist fight, their cheeks get red. Mm -hmm. They get out of breath. Their heart rate rises. Uh, they may freeze. Yep. They may not even try to fight. They may try to run. Yeah. On the other hand, someone like me who's literally fought every day of his life for 25 years mm -hmm. in some way or another. And I don't mean a, like some street fight or something <laughs> like that. I'm straight talking straight up bar fights. This yeah, is, this is wrestling, Vin Diesel right here. <laughs> yeah, wrestling, jujitsu, kickboxing or something like that. I'm a lot more desensitized to that. Yeah. You, I, I, would, I would think that in my lexicon of making decisions or whatever it is, my decision tree, punching or kicking would be a lot more likely of a choice for me yeah. versus someone who's never done it. Well, and that's why I, I think there's a, an important distinction between you know, capacity and potential. And this is, again, something else I learned from Coach Blauer, and I've meditated on this one steadily because this is really deep, right? Capacity is what you bring to the fight right now. It's what yep. you can do today. Potential is what you could do with further training. Yes. And so you've got to be able to act at your capacity. And if you try to do something beyond your capacity, the odds of failure are high. Are really high. Are and you, really can't high. Really, you can't really do something based on potential now. Right. 
Right. Right. Like, cause, cause I mean, to a certain degree, everybody's got potential. Exactly. If I, if I train you in Brazilian jujitsu for the next 10 years and you go every day, you'll probably end up a black belt. Yeah. And that I'll probably mean, be able to use some of what I've learned in a high stress situation. But that doesn't mean you're triangle choking or arm barring someone today. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Like forget it. And and take somebody who who has all the physical attributes that you would want for a particular sport. Like maybe you've got a guy who's, you know, eight foot tall and he's fairly strong and you're like, yeah, this guy could be a great basketball player, but he never actually tries. Well, his potential yeah. stays the same, but his capacity is still very low. Yes. Right. Now, I want to change this scenario because we keep coming back to this this kicker, right, this football kicker. So let's say that's his scenario is it's the end of, of one of the championship games. His team's down by one. And he's got a, you know, a, a, say a 52-yard field goal to win the game. One second left on the clock, right? So that's his his situation. What's his motivation? Uh, get a new contract, win the game, uh, not get laughed at, not get mm-hmm. made fun of on ESPN, um, not let your teammates down. So Maybe. he's he's willing to go out on the field and make this attempt based on, A, it's his job, right? B, yep. this is what he gets paid for. See, it's what he's trained for his whole life, right? And everything that you said, like that all has merit. So he's motivated to get out on the field and do this thing. If his expectation is that he's going to kick wide and all he can see in his head is the crowd laughing at him. Well, he's going to kick and, wide. And Well, and then he, he's visualizing sitting in the, man- the team manager's office and they're ripping up his contract. Yep. You know, he sees himself getting on a bus to like another team because he's getting traded away. Yep. And it's like, then he's thinking in the back of his head, like, gosh, I, I did miss that kick in practice last week. Right. So now he's in this situation where his, his expectations are, are being affected by bad visualizations, right. By, by bad beliefs. He's not believing in his own ability. Like he, you made it to the championship game. Like you should think I can make this kick. Right. But it creates this loop that keeps kind of feed feedbacking on itself. But he's stuck, and, and, and we refer to that as a fear loop. And then he goes out and he tries to kick this field goal. What's he going to do? Like, you nailed it already. He, he's, he's going wide. So he's you're saying that your, your perception of the fear, your interpretation of it is also going to greatly affect your performance, if you will. Yes. Now, again, false evidence appearing real. If he looks at that situation and he says, no, I've, I've kicked 60 yards in practice. I'm good. You know, I've, I've made... You know, maybe in that season, he saved the game three or four times when it was on the line. I've done this before. This is my 7,000th professional kick. I'm the leading scorer on the team. Hell yeah, I'm going to make this. Hell yeah, they're going to carry me off the field on their shoulders. And that's because of an expectation. And that's because his expectation shifts. And that's called having fear management skills. If you've got those skills, now you're focused on a different result, right? You're focused on a different outcome. And you start plotting towards that outcome. And I, so, would, I would suppose um, that that when we talk about areas that I'm going to say fear can limit your growth, mm-hmm. relationships, career, health, I would say those would be the three biggest ones. Right. Um, but in relationships, the more you ask girls out and the more they say yes, the less fearful you are to do it in the future. Yeah, absolutely. You the, the more positive track record. Exactly. The more confidence the, you have. When, when you realize, like, gosh, I've been on dates with some really gorgeous women, you're not going to be afraid to ask gorgeous women out anymore. Yeah. The more you go into performance reviews at work, and performance reviews scare the shit out of people. Right. But after the 10th one where you've got straight A's, mm-hmm. 
or they've got some scoring system one to ten and you've got all tens, you're probably not that scared to go into or, the eleven. Or Bobby, maybe you're getting like mid range marks, but there's yep. literally no consequence, consequence to that. Yeah. I mean you, so you now, get you get used to it. Oh, here's another stupid performance review. Here we go. Yeah, you become less scared of it. With yeah. health, there's a lot of people I think that are scared to work out. Yeah, absolutely. Because because they're gonna get hurt. Well, the more you come and train and the less you get hurt the more safe it becomes. Consider this, speaking of health. We talked about earlier, the, the greater the threat, the more dramatic your response. Yep. Somebody goes to the doctor and the doctor says, you're diabetic. Like, boom, yeah. drop that you bomb might, on somebody. They're going to show up at the gym from now on. You know what I mean? Or like, change your diet immediately. Exactly, right? That, that reaction becomes so much more because of that, because that fear suddenly became a real threat. Well, and especially if they've had a friend that died of diabetes. Yeah. If... If they read something, I mean, I, I always joke with my wife and it's funny, never Google a medical symptom. No, do not. Like, right. Like <laughs> I have a burning, like, like, a, you know, my hands are numb. What does that mean? And then you read all this stuff about severed spinal cords, paralysis, uh -huh. you have malaria. I mean, you can go down a really bad road on Google with, with medical symptoms. And what I, what I always try to bring people back to is Ockram's razor. The simplest answer, the simplest solution is often the right one. Right. Like my hands are numb. Okay, you, they're, they're probably asleep. Mm -hmm. Not a big deal. You probably don't have some weird disease that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah, yeah. You're not right? the, the one exception to the rule, right? No, exactly. But that's what people do. They go for almost the worst case yeah. scenario. And that's, right. and that's something that I think that certainly is fear-based, but you see a lot in life. When you ask somebody, apply for this job, what's the worst that can happen? They literally are thinking of the worst thing that can That's happen. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. They're not, right. Go, go, they're not thinking about the probability. They're thinking about the absolute worst thing ever. So yeah, go, go. You put that in their head by asking them. <laughs> yeah. But go, go back to the example of asking out a girl, right? Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, you're at a bar. You see a girl you like. You, you, you come up. You say, can I have your phone number? The, the likelihood is she says no. Yeah. Or she says, yes, one of those two things. But you're thinking she's going to start making fun of you in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to laugh at you. Like you're playing in your mind the worst movie you can imagine. Yeah. Same thing asking your boss for a raise. What's the worst that can happen? They say no. That's probably what's going to happen, Joe. We just don't have it in our budget. Okay, well, done. Th think about, think about when we talked uh, our – not our – was it our last podcast? Episode 19 maybe? Changing the narrative, right? That's yes. what we're talking about here is you, you're creating this narrative in your head of negativity. You, you, you've got a, 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 you know, a swollen lump on your arm and so you – it itches and you Google it and they're like, well, it could be a mosquito bite or it could be 52 different kinds of cancer. Now, right, your expectations are shifting because you're getting all of this visual cancer, cancer, cancer right in front of your eyes. You start to believe that it could be cancerous and now you're stuck in that fear loop again and you have no way to get out when realistically, you know, you live in a wooded area. It's probably just a mosquito bite. And I think the hardest part about that, Joe, is that example is just because it, you're caught in a fear loop or just because it's not logical doesn't mean it doesn't feel very real that, to you. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's what the hard thing is. I mean, you can, it's kind of like a phobia. Yes. You know, just because you're scared of crowds, agoraphobia, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't make it less real to somebody. Yeah. It's, 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 I actually had a cousin who, who suffered from agoraphobia and, and couldn't go out for years. And like, it, it, it's like literally the thought of stepping out the front door crippled him. Well, there's nothing to be scared of going into your yard. Mm -hmm. But you couldn't explain that to him. That was the interesting thing. 
Yeah. It's like, oh, no, there's nothing to be scared of. Like, we're all here. Yeah, that makes it even worse. But you can see how that, yeah. that kind of that miswiring, right? Yeah. Because that is such a hardwired thing. It's, it's like a reflex. You know, saying you don't flinch is like saying you taught your body not to have reflexes. That's kind of a stupid idea. Well, right? And you, you also, you can't do it. Exactly. Because even, even the people, I've often found the people who proclaim to be not scared the most are the most scared. Yeah. That's almost a self-defense mechanism. Oh, and they're so afraid of admitting that they have fear, right? Yeah, because again- just, They live in a fear loop. Well, and it's also one of those things in life that's not okay to admit. Once right. again, not okay to admit I'm insecure. Yeah. Not okay to admit that that I'm fearful. On that note, though, Joe, do you know what the number one way to deal with fear? Uh, uh, I was reading a study about this the other day. Yeah. Is wearing Maximus shoes. Oh yeah, yeah. It's Obviously. kind of like, kind of like when when Superman puts on his suit or Batman puts on mm-hmm. his suit. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same thing. You put on a Maximus shoe. Uh, you can get them at Lalo Tactical, www.lalo.com, and uh, use the code Maximus20 to get yourself 20% off. And you put on those shoes, you become instantly unafraid of anything. Well, and you should should be unafraid because you also become infinitely more powerful. That is true. Yeah. That is true. And it is further, uh, this, 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 this power is further increased if you then – Take in some nitro protein because that will increase your capacity to your That's potential. Right. <laughs> exactly, and you can get that at nitorperformance.com. Use the code Maximus Podcast. I'm quite proud of myself at how we drop these sponsors in. <laughs> it's actually one of the number one comments we get is how seamlessly we we flow into this. Like I said, people are just you know? buying this stuff; they don't even realize they're doing it. It's so subliminal. My, my, we got to talk to the people at Lalo and Niter though to 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 I guess ascertain whether this is helping or hurting. Because <laughs> I feel like we're selling stuff, but I feel like we're kind of making fun of the fact that we have sponsors too. I'm yeah. not really sure um, uh, about it, but I can always fall back on. I always wear my Maximus shoes, which is true. I mean, yes. you're not going to see m- many pictures of me without them. And I do drink nitro protein all the time. So it's actually stuff I use. I'm not. Uh, I, I, here, here's a little uh, testimonial on the Maximus shoes. I currently have three pairs because they just never wear out. I just yeah, need, bad, I needed different colors. And <laughs> I actually, I actually have to talk to Lalo about that. About uh, what, what's the term in technology? Planned obsolescence. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I need. I, they need to make their shoes a little less good so they fall they, apart. Yeah, so I they can, gotta have like a little they, microchip in them that after like six months begins to melt the sole or something. You we know? can. So we can make more money. Yeah. Yeah. And and I will tell you, you can take my nitor out of my cold dead hands. I'm hooked on yes. that stuff. It's good. Um, nothing. Back, nothing has back, been as effective as nitor. That's End of true. testimonial. Um, and you should be afraid, very afraid, because we're getting back into fear if you don't have this stuff. Yes. But um, back a little bit uh, into fear, um, I, I just want to talk a little bit finally about, I, I guess, what Tony Blauer calls the economics of fear. Yes. Um, the only reason I know that term is because you've obviously talked to me uh, yeah. uh, about it. And to be honest with you, Joe, I wouldn't be that interested in this stuff, but because Tony Blauer is Canadian, yep. and so so technically this this whole <laughs> uh, subject matter is, is Canadian. I'm, I'm overtly interested in it because I love all things Canadian. Uh, Bobby Maximus. Uh, yeah, I love myself. Nickelback, Justin Bieber, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, you know, the things of that nature. Uh, Michael J. Fox. Mike Myers. Um, yeah, I think the big thing is and how this can relate to real people's lives is what's the cost of ignoring your fear signals versus taking some kind of action. 
Right. And he, hey. he, he wrote a really, really good uh, blog post called The Economics of Violence, actually. Okay. Um, and the, the, the gist of it is, like, what does it cost you to pay attention to your fear? And just using a, a, a simple example, you're walking down a street at night and you get a funny feeling. Right, because he will tell you every victim of violence that he's ever spoken to has always said, "I had a funny feeling." Right? Yeah, and I can attest to that. Being a former police officer, yeah, everyone says the same thing. Like this didn't feel right, but they went ahead and did it anyway. So, what's the cost of paying attention to that? Like, what's the cost of saying, "You know what? I got a bad feeling. I'm going to turn around and go a different way." Like, it will know. maybe cost you ten minutes of your time. You maybe know? usually the sad thing is, Joe, from my experience, usually twenty seconds. Yeah, it, it a doesn't minute. like yeah. it's not even 10 minutes. It's not that much of a out of the way thing. Now, what's the cost if you ignore that and you find yourself in a bad situation? You it can die. be it can be your life. Right. Yep. And then and then go further. Like, how does that impact everyone you know and love? Well, so it's and, not and, it's not even just your life, but it costs the lives of all those people as well. Yeah. And that's and that's and that's great. But that's also not realistic i would say right most people the the idea here being the cost of ignoring your fear and not learning how to deal with it is is huge and the cost of actually doing something based on your fear is is actually very low true economically you should take the time to to learn these things you should. I guess what I'm getting at is it's it's kind of funny being a former police officer. I look at like muggings and breaking enters as common because mm-hmm. I dealt with them all the time. But the reality is they're not that common. It yeah. doesn't happen that much. It happens it happens enough in a city of a million people. But you could live. I mean, have you ever been broken into? No. Nope. I haven't. I don't think Lisa has. So I mean, there, there's three people right there that this has never happened to. It's not as common as you think. Yeah. Um, so a lot of these things, I think, and I think where the self defense people lose others is the muggings, the shootings, these these horrible, right. overblown situations that never happen. Yeah. I'm more concerned about the cost of fear in relationships, and career, and health. Well, let's so, let's, let's talk about that and just say, like, get out a piece of paper. And, and write relationships on the top of that piece of paper and say, what has fear cost you in relationships? Yeah, and it's probably a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas I guess – and that's probably inaction that's cost you a lot is yeah. my guess, right? But um, the the what would have acting caused you? Probably nothing. Mm-hmm. Maybe a right? little bit I mean, of pride if you got rejected a couple of times, right? Yeah, but pride again, that's a self-made construct. Yes, Right. Rejection should not bother you. We can talk a little bit about something, I guess, in this regard that ties into fear that we've got going on. We're we're starting a a, a Maximus podcast app. Yes. We're starting a website. Very excited Um, about it. Yeah, very excited. We'll let you guys uh, know a little bit more about this in the future, but I don't want this to hijack this whole talk. Right. Um, But we're going to start this thing. And we've talked a lot about not doing this. Mm -hmm. But what's the cost of us doing it? little bit of money. Yeah. Maybe some time. Mm-hmm. The potential reward is enormous. Yeah. So we're going to act on it. But there'd be reasons that we don't act on it. Mm-hmm. Right? And that would be how fear would hold you back. And I, I would want all the listeners to think about something in their lives they're not happy with. Maybe it's their relationship. Maybe it's their career. Maybe it's their health. Maybe it's, you know, how they are with their kids. And start thinking about how fear has caused you to behave in a way that you, A, haven't wanted to, but B, has led you to the place you're in your life right now. 
because I think, Joe, that for a lot of people, it's a problem today that people aren't happy with where they are in lives, right? In their right. lives. I think, I think it's where the, the quote unquote classic midlife crisis comes from. It does. Yeah. Right. I'm not where I want to be. Well, how has fear, my question to, to you all would be, never mind the mugger on the street or the dude with the chainsaw, how has fear put you in the position you're in today? Mm-hmm. How has the fear of inactivity, or not the fear of inactivity, I guess being frozen, if you will, with inactivity, how has that negatively affected you? Because chances are it's really negatively affected you. Yeah, and you may not even notice because you've just have kind of gone along with it. Yeah. And what would have been different if you took action? So you take action. I mean, my, my question would be, we start this app and it fails. Where are we compared to if we never did it? Nowhere. Like it, we're in the same spot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're not, we're not any better or worse for it. Right. You know, but think um, back even before we started the podcast, what if we were, we were so concerned that nobody was going to like our voice or nobody was going to like what we had to say. Well, you know, and these and, were, and, these were real concerns we had. Yeah. Like, you know, we already, I mean, we'll be honest with you guys. We already, you know, this is things we talked about. Well, we already have Instagram. So why would people listen to a podcast? Yeah. Well, it seems like it's kind of hard to set up. Uh, What format are we going to use? This is getting complicated. What if we only get like six downloads for our first episode? I mean, and then, then the question got to be, well, well, what's good for a podcast? Like how many, how many downloads should we be getting? Yeah. And the funny thing is you bring up downloads. It's almost impossible to find information on podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> like we could tell you guys we have a million downloads or six and you will never know the truth. Yep. Because you can't find out. Yeah. Yeah. At least – and if there is somebody out there listening to this that has a way of finding out, please drop me an email <laughs> let me know because yes. I want to know how other people do with their podcasts. But, I mean, it's the kind of thing, Joe, that nobody would ever, ever know. Right, right. We'll just tell you guys that we're the most successful podcast on the planet and you kind of have to believe it. I believe, I believe it, but you know, what is the measure of success? Yes. So, I mean, I mean that those were very real talks that we had Joe about not starting it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we kind of came to the conclusion that all we're really giving up is a little bit of free time. Yeah. And then we justified it by saying we'd be talking anyway. Yeah, I was just going to say this, that. This probably the, wouldn't these be are like, the conversations we have every day. We'll anyhow, we'll just run a mic and there we go. Yeah, there's a lot of times I'm in the gym and I know I know you are too, where I'm I'm talking with clients and I'm like, I wish we had a microphone right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because this would be good podcasting material. Mm-hmm. You know? Um and, and I think the master of that, we're getting away from fear a little bit, but I think it's useful for people to master that's Gary V. Yeah, for sure. He's got somebody that follows him around with a camera and every so often he's talking to somebody and something really insightful comes out and they've got it on tape and it's there and it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a twenty four seven podcast. Yep. So I, I would want people, I mean, I guess the purpose of this, because I find this really interesting, is that the real key from this podcast is just to ask yourself a question in your everyday life. What if you took action and what's the real cost and what is there really to be afraid of? Yeah, exactly. Like what are the real fears? Because it, it's not going to be the the small things. It's not going to be asking your boss for a promotion or for a raise, right? No, who cares? Ask for that promotion. Yeah. If there's a girl you like, ask her out. Yeah. If keep, it all, keep it all in perspective, right? If there's something you really want to do, do it. Here, here's, here's what you should fear, right? You should fear sort of coming to a realization too late in life that you married the wrong person, that you're in the wrong yep. career, that you're overweight, unhappy, that you hate your life. Yeah. That and it's is what you should fear. 
Well, yeah, and it, and and at that point, it's too late to do it all over again, right? Right. Like, I mean, it, you know, it's 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 funny the thirty year olds or the forty year olds I talk to that are scared to do something. Yeah. It's like, no, you got a lot of time now. Don't wait till you're sixty to like work up the nerve to do this. Yep. But then it's probably too late. You know, so um, you guys, hopefully you've learned a lot from this. We really appreciate, uh, you know, you guys spending your time with us and uh, get ready for some announcements on uh, the Maximus podcast app. Yeah, we're, we're and, super, and, super and stoked about this. It's going to be so cool, guys. Gonna website so is going to be going to be really good for you guys uh, on on that note. Um, if there is anything you want to see on the app, I mean, Joe, we can let people know a little bit what's going on. Yeah. Uh, we're going to form an app that's going to uh, kind of be paired up with the podcast. Uh, we're going to offer you guys uh, extra downloads that you can't get through your podcast service. Um, maybe for this episode, for example, we'll give you the cycle of fear. Yeah. Uh, or the cycle of what is it called? Behavior. The cycle of behavior. Right. Um, maybe we give you a fear management checklist. Uh, maybe we talk about some of our own fears. Um, from the transformation episode that you did, Joe, we're going to give you some nutritional rules. Yep. We're going to give you a couple of workouts. There's going to be a workout of the day along with this podcast. Um, we're going to be able to contribute, uh, not contribute, communicate with you guys on a daily basis. Yeah. So we're going to have like a, a Q&A forum. We can yes. have, have organized discussions. Organize group discussions so you yes. can communicate with other people that are podcast listeners. So we're going to kind of go all out for this and, and really have a lot of services. But if there are any things that you guys would like to see, please email us, Bobby at BobbyMaximus.com. Or Joe, what's your email these days? Joe at JoeCebula.com. C-E-B-U-L-A is how you uh, pronounce or how you spell Cebula. Because yeah. I imagine that would get wrong, but Joe, <laughs> JoeCebula.com. Send us an email and let me know, uh, let us know what you'd like to see. And that's it. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. See the